0: The following podcast is a part of radiomisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles.
1: All fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos, and now here's your hosts, John and Stephen. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark, with me as mainly always is King of All Geeks in Chicago, Elliot Serrano.
0: Yes, my loyal subjects. Thank you, thank you. You know,
1: <laughs> I'm only under old. your jurisdiction. <laughs>
0: It's true. You're just, you're right outside. But I mean, I've got, I've got, I'm like the Roman Empire. I've got soldiers out there in the frontier.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are barbarians at the gates. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is uh, October. Every October, I try to keep things horror themed. And I know personally, I've just gone down this rabbit hole. I've been watching two, three horror movies a day, um, which is probably not good for my brain. Uh, but also there's other things that are happening in the world of geek that I'm like, Oh my God, we're not getting to it. Black Adam came out, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, I realized we've never talked about shield and that wrapped up last week. Uh, there's, there's just so much stuff to get through. That's, that's not Halloween themed. And I feel like in October, you know, everything should stop and it should just be horror.
0: (laughs) Well, we did. I know we talked about werewolf by night with, uh, D.G. Chichester on we the did? MCU Review. Um, yeah, that- so, so, folks, if you haven't been listening to those, I, I'm going to tell you, that was probably one of the best episodes we've done. It was. I mean, I had so much fun with it. Dan was hilarious. He went along with everything. He um, even put up with me calling him Mr. Chichester. <laughs> <laughs> and Sir. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you were, it was, uh, that was one of those moments where, uh when I told you, because Dan's been on the show before, and as I've mentioned, Dan and I used to work together, mm-hmm. so we knew each other fairly well, and when I mentioned that he was coming on, you went, oh, well, okay, and then he came on, and you were like, hey! <laughs> yeah, I was really holding back.
0: I was really holding back, John. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to let on. What a fanboy I am, was he? It was like, it, yeah.
1: it, was, it was adoration diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Because
0: it's like, I, I knew what was going to happen. I'd go, oh my God, I'm so excited. This is going to be so good. And then you're going to go, out, ah, he had to back out. He was busy. So I didn't want to get excited until we actually had him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Again, you got to watch, you got to listen to that one. It's probably one of the best ones we've done. And um, I think uh, with the MCU review, I think we're really, we're finally really hitting our stride with the show and and trying to make it something where it's a fun conversation about, about let's say the Marvel movies instead of bitching and complaining about them like everybody's doing right now.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Halloween, um, you just had a big Halloween themed night last night. Woo!
0: Yeah, man. I'm telling you, I'm speaking of canceling at
1: the last minute. But <laughs> <laughs> you might have been too tired.
0: It was funny because uh, when you messaged me, uh, I was still in bed. I think you messaged me at what one o'clock? Two <laughs> thirty. <laughs> Something like that. Um, But yeah, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, the city, the town of Elgin, Illinois, um, the weekend before Halloween weekend, they have this event called the Nightmare on Chicago Street. Eight city blocks square. Everything, the whole downtown area is shut down. And they remake the entire um, downtown to look like uh, there's a zombie apocalypse taking place. It's there. always
1: zombie themed.
0: It's always zombie themed because it's the you know way it started. Although one year they were doing it, they they it looks zombie themed, but trust me, they pull in so many other things. Sometimes it looks like space aliens and mm-hmm. everything's going on. But it's um, the first time that they've had it since the pandemic. They they canceled it. Two years ago. I think they canceled it two years in a row. It's a shame
1: that they have to cancel the zombie apocalypse for a pandemic. For a pandemic,
0: (laughs) yes. Irony. It's usually the way
1: one starts.
0: (laughs) You know, the apocalypse will be postponed due to (laughs) pandemic. But uh it's a it's an incredible thing. So if if uh you were following me on my socials, I was trying to report from it. There's so much that goes on at this event. Uh, it's just crazy. It's like being dropped into a middle. Okay, that's like, it's like if you took the biggest Halloween party you've ever been to and you drop it into the middle of a horror movie, that's what it feels like. Wow. And it's so much fun. And you can't keep up with everything. And there's so many people. And it brought out all my anxieties about being around crowds. But I managed because uh, the carrot for me uh, – when I um, attend this event is I get to kind of be um, um, a co-master of ceremonies for the costume contest at the end of the evening with, uh, with Spangoolie, uh the Svenguli, the guy who you see on television hosting, uh, you know, horror flicks on Saturday nights on, on MeTV. And it's just, it's just a thrill. I have known, Uh, rich that's you know his alter ego rich co's i've known him for um, eight nine years now and it's been really cool to become friends with him and do these types of events together and because we missed out the last year or so it was fun to be back on stage with him and i'm telling you the guy just got up there you know the people got to their feet they loved him and it's just a lot of fun. And I, I have to say, if you've never been to this event, if you're anywhere in the Elgin area, Chicago, John Arlington Heights, Rosemont, anywhere, anywhere around there, LaGrange, <laughs> you gotta come to this event. It is it is something something crazy. And I it takes me all the all it takes me a good day or two to recover from it afterwards.
1: Which is today. So
0: <laughs> which is today. <laughs> but Luckily for me, I've got, I've got time off this week. So I'm like, oh, oh, this is good. I can, I can relax. I don't have to rush from one thing to another, but it really, that's the thing is for me, it's, it's really work. It feels like work, even though it's fun. Yeah. Cause I've, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm quote unquote covering it, you know, as a, as a media personality, you're performing,
1: you're presenting that yeah, yeah. energy that comes out.
0: Oh my goodness. That, especially for the, the costume contest, you've got to bring the energy. Yeah. Because if you don't, you know, people get bored and uh, the crowds, oh my goodness, the crowds. I will say the costume contest does generate its fair share of controversy every year. You always have people who are pissed that they didn't make it into the onstage portion of the Uh, costume contest. Yeah. Because they'll have like, I want to say they had about 100 entrants this year, and they got to whittle all of them down to like three or four per category. Wow. And there, there were some, there was one in the group category, a, a group came, they all were dressed as kiss the band kiss. Mm-hmm. And they looked really good. And, and I even, I took a picture of them. You'll see it on my Insta uh, with them and Elvis. Everyone's kept shouting, look, it's, it's Elvis with kiss. And they still had this crowd forming around them. Everyone. Oh my God, that's pictures.
1: the tribute band. Elv kiss. <laughs>
0: There
1: you go. Oh man, I gotta start that bit. Remember there was Dread Zeppelin in the 80s? Yep, yep, yep. Where it was like it was it was an Elvis impersonator singing over Led Zeppelin songs? Yep. Elf Kiss. Elf Kiss. I and I, that. and it would be Kiss lyrics over Elvis songs.
0: And they're also dressed as Elves. Elf Elf versions of Kiss and and, and Elvis.
1: Just Gene Simmons with a high collar. A high collar and, and, I like.
0: po- and pointy ears. <laughs> But but yeah, so I, I'm just covering all that is just crazy. And and then, then you get on stage and then people are, you know, going on about the costumes. And it was just, it's just, it's a lot of fun, but it, it's a lot, it, it sucks a lot of energy out of you if you have to actually have to work the event.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it sounds great. I've been meaning to get to that for a few years. And one of these days I will uh, get over my social anxiety. Oh I, I actually had the almost the opposite uh almost the opposite evening last night. I went to Northwestern University and saw a Q&A with Jeff Garland. Ah, oh, see that sounds was, like fun. It was really cool which but it was like not a zombie apocalypse at all. <laughs> it was Jeff Garland like sitting in a chair going like I don't eat sugar anymore. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> I get that. It was yeah, but it was uh we had a great time at, at that as well. So well, I, a- I was going
0: to say, I did suggest to the Nightmare folks uh, uh, that they should set up a podcast alley and have podcasters That'd be, be there
1: That'd be a really good idea, yeah.
0: During the event. And then just be there. You set up. You find an area. You can do your shifts. Set up. Interview people at the event. Da, 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 da. You know? And then um, they, they said, oh, that was a good idea. So we'll see if that happens next year. I will make sure that that Caffeinated Comics is on the list. And let's see if we can get uh, near easy. On the on the stage,
1: yeah, you know, one of those, yeah, one I, of those we, stages. We'd we'd all be up for that. By the time MCU review might be up to Werewolf by Night by next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it again. Yeah, it the, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Marvel, um, we would be remiss to not talk about She Hulk for both for um, what what it did, how it stood out, and of course the controversy it created. Because what doesn't? Um, now that She Hulk is wrapped up, we what did you think of it overall?
0: I enjoyed it overall. I enjoyed it. And I I will say, and I have to admit, She Hulk forced me to reframe the way I look at the all the entertainment that Marvel Studios is currently producing for us. Okay, let's be freaking honest. We have been so spoiled. By all the stuff that we get, okay. Uh, Marvel Studios is producing countless uh, television series and movies of of really high quality, high quality stuff. Whether you might feel the writing is is hack, or you know you you're, you criticize the CGI and all oh, the there's an uncanny valley thing happening with She Hulk in this episode. Blah blah blah. And uh, Star Wars, you know, with all the different series that they're producing. You had told me as a kid that I would get, you know, big budget motion picture superhero and Star Wars films, not only at the theater, but on my television on a regular basis. I would have been like, oh, what have I done? Oh, generous God of the fates that I should – Partake of such a bounty.
1: <laughs> I feel like that conversation gets awkward immediately. Like, So you go back <laughs> to your 1980 self. I'm thinking about myself reading Marvel comics, sitting on the bed, watching return of the Jedi, thinking star Wars is over. And then middle-aged you shows up and you're like, don't worry about it because eventually Disney is going to own Marvel and star Wars at the same time. And they're going to put out movies every year and they're going to be great. And they're going to put out TV shows. And and <laughs> Then 12-year-old you goes, wow, sounds like 2022 is living in a paradise.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, isn't that the uh, the Faustian deal? You know, you got to
1: give yeah, that, something up. I, you think maybe we all made that in a dream. When Mephisto, Mephisto stole our marriage to Mary Jane. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, then. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Right. It's a, <clears throat> like, and that's all you'll get. You'll have you'll have Star Trek technology in your home and you'll have superhero movies, and that's not healthcare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that's why I say the uh, I mm-hmm. go, that's why the Cubs won the World Series. Someone said, you know what? Uh give us the Cubs of the World Series and Trump can be president. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
1: ah, yeah yeah i also think uh actually civil war is like you want spider-man in the mcu well that's gonna come at a price Mm -hmm. but yeah i i really enjoyed she-hulk um i like i like she-hulk as a character i've liked her ever since john byrne put her in the fantastic four um that was one of those where as a very young comic reader i didn't know there was a she-hulk and uh automatically like was drawn into her personality. Um, She's a, she's a real fun light character. She reminds me of what Harley Quinn used to be, where she's just kind of having fun living in the universe. She passes the Bechdel test where she's not constantly pining over men. Um, It, you know, her relationships are just one part of her life. And then uh, later the dance slot run, of course, in the aughts, which this pulls very heavily from, which really focused on her career as a lawyer, which hadn't been done before. It was uh John Burns run after he had her in fantastic four, did a lot of the fourth wall breaking. And then Dan Slott did a lot of like the Ally McBeal type. And they, I thought this show synthesized those two perfectly.
0: And I, that's the thing that, that, that astounds me is that you have all these comic book nerds who complain about, uh, they, they're the ones who complain all the time about being faithful to the comics act, you know, faithful to the source material. Everything that they did on a show is straight out of the comics. Yeah. You know, and they had fun with it. Yeah, they had to tweak it here and there. My favorite was in the very beginning when I had my friends who are lawyers complaining, oh, she's not a very good lawyer. They're like, seriously? You know, how many how many law sitcoms do you watch, right? You know, yeah. I, I, I had no problem with the, the way the quote unquote law was practiced on She-Hulk because that's just the the the, I say the window dressing it's about the character itself
1: yeah and it's all about i mean it's very much in a sitcom formulaic type of trial where you, they're in the court in front of the judge and an amazing revelation happens and they go okay this this case is thrown out it's not months of looking through briefs
0: yeah it's like uh, i guess maybe it's because we've dealt with uh the law and orders for too many too many years
1: yeah they're not that funny
0: no <laughs> No, they're not. Hey, that's, that's what Dick Wolf needs to do next. Law, Law and Order comedy
1: unit. Yeah, the, the funniest thing about Law and Order is John Mulaney doing five minutes on it.
0: Oh, wait, I never saw that one. Oh,
1: it's great. Okay. <laughs> There's, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but uh, he actually used to do this. It's an old bit. He used to do this when I was doing stand-up. He um, because, goes, because my favorite character on Law and Order is the man who is so nonplussed about a murder that he won't stop moving empty boxes. <laughs> I just go, yeah, I knew her. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's a great bit. I think it's on his first special. You should definitely check it out. But, uh yeah, I really thought Tatia Mazalani, Maza- Mazalani, yeah, Mazalani. Uh, I had heard great things about her from Orphan Black, which was a show I never saw. Then she did a few episodes of Parks and Rec, and I'm like, oh, it's that girl from Orphan Black. Okay, she's decent. She was fantastic. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think probably had. The most charisma since I mean, it's almost cliche to say Rob Downey Jr. is, uh, but maybe since Tom Holland in the Marvel Universe of somebody that just inhabits that character and just draws you into them.
0: See, that I think a lot of folks don't appreciate that first off, working in a genre show or a genre movie is twice as challenging as like just doing, let's say, straight comedy, straight act, you know, straight anything, drama. Because you have that added <clears throat> that added hurdle of playing into a special effect. You know that at some point your performance has got to be so much that the motion capture guys have to be able to interpret it and and relay it through the the CGI. Add to that, you're you're well. Like I love how they showed those behind the scenes bits where you see Tatiana with the the motion capture gear on as She Hulk and the the things that she has to do. Yeah. You know, during that, like, okay, and now she's got to capture, she's got to, she's got to relay this character in a sincere way that's not so, you know, ridiculously over the top that you feel for her. And from the very beginning, I felt for the Jen Walters character. She was just fun. She was like a, although I will say this, my friend Stephanie Cook made that, uh, wrote that tweet that went viral where, uh, the the toughest part that the writers of She-Hulk have to convince me of is that no one wants to date Jen Walters. (laughs) Yeah. I would totally date Jen Walters. I wouldn't need her to turn into She-Hulk. I'd be like, I'm totally – Jen Walters is exactly my type right there. Yeah, but are you Jen
1: Walters type? No, I am not Jen Walters type. (laughs) I think that's the (laughs) thing. Her standards are skewed. Yeah.
0: No, her standards are way – I mean, uh, uh, well, yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't want to say they're way higher. I'm not, I'm not a, a bottom feeder, but still. I'm not, like all the guys she was dating on the show were really buff and tall and handsome, tall dudes. And I'm Daredevil. Not, yeah, Daredevil. I can't compare to that. I mean, even freaking Charlie Cox, which, by the way, <clears throat> they bring him back. We talked about this before.
1: Yeah, bring- spoilers for the entire series if you yeah. haven't seen it.
0: When they bring him back for this. I thought Charlie Kark's was charming AF. I'm talking so charming, way more charming than he ever was on the Netflix show. You know, it's like I think they found a little bit of a little bit of a shift for him to really make him uh, to me a little more accessible as a character.
1: Yeah, I think I felt like the Netflix show was trying to do like Frank Miller and Ed Brubaker and when Daredevil showed up in She-Hulk, I was like, "Oh, this is Mark Wade's Daredevil." Yes. This is the Wade Sammy, and which is just as true to the character yeah but but has a different air about it and that's you know it's kind of one of the ways marvel has its cake and eats it too it's like you can you know you can't complain this isn't true to the comics because they can pull from whatever era they want whatever run they want and they can they can hold the two contradictory versions of the character at once mm-hmm. and go yeah it's true to the comics because this character's been everything
0: plus the show itself went so meta there in the finale, it, it addressed let's talk about that finale. Yeah, it addressed every criticism that Mar- the Marvel formula has right now. Mm-hmm. It was so self aware. and if you have I don't want to spoil it, uh, let's just say all this this show throughout its run was constantly addressing the toxic fan bases that are out there, that the, you know toxic masculinity. Right. Um, um. How how some folks are online. And I'll say it again. I would look at I would look at the 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 social media pages. I hated clicking on the reading the comments. Anytime someone put up a post about She-Hulk, whether it be on the Marvel page or some MCU site or whatever, you click on the comments. Oh, my God. The bitching and whining and moaning and endless repetitive criticism about, oh. It's lazy writing. It's hack writing. They need the blah blah blah. And I got every time you you talk about lazy writing, I want to sit there and go, okay. You tell me what you would have done differently. Tell me how you
1: would have improved that episode. Well, that's what made that final episode perfect. Is that they did? Well, they called out. They actually had a character saying, "Oh, I'm not a misogynist. If she was a man, I'd say the same thing." Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, yep, that I've seen that in every single comment. And then it was what those fanboys would want. Oh, the jerk guy turns into a hulk and then they have a fight and then the hulk abomination show up and they have a fight Mm -hmm. and that's and that's when she's like really we're just gonna do that that's all we're gonna do
0: yeah is this what you really
1: want yeah is this what you want exactly um so well i did see a a really good uh was it it was a meme uh about she hulk where where she said oh every everything has to end with a big explosion and a big fight and one of the says, no that's how the movie's end." Every show ends with with breaking the meta and meeting a mentor figure who's detached, and it showed like he who remains and, and Wanda and Agatha Harkness and then the Kevin robot. I was like, eh, you kind of it's a Moon Knight and Khonshu. Oh, the hippo, the hippo in Moon Knight. They showed that.
0: Yeah. See, so this show really made me re- rethink how 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 angry I got over Moon Knight.
1: <laughs> Were you angry about Moon Knight? I, don't I know was moon over because I, I had Moon Knight.
0: I know a lot of people did. I was one of a few people because I, lo- I love the Moon Knight character. I was really looking forward. See, I never this. got a
1: handle on him. Every time I picked up a book, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. There's three secret identities? Is he Batman? Does he have powers? It, does Does the moon give him? I don't. And then I had to put it down. Yeah. It's like, I, I would like the art. I remember like seeing Sienkiewicz or Platt and being like, well, that's cool art, but I don't know.
0: But, you know, but then I was like, okay stop being so overly critical and go, Hey, you didn't get a moon night show before. Plus this Oscar Isaac and he's funny. And you know, we like seeing him and stuff. So either. And again, no one's forcing everybody to watch this stuff. You know, if you didn't right. like the first episode, you know, watch the rest. I do that all the time. I mean, I gave up walking dead a million years ago. Cause I was like, eh, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm not crazy about it. Nah. I, I, I,
1: I learned how to do that with Marvel when Disney XD started doing all the animated series, because, um, I was watching them with my son and I realized, Hey, how come I don't like this Spider-Man show that much? And then I realized, cause they're not talking to a 40 year old, they're mm-hmm. talking to a six year old and the six year old in the room likes it. And that's what it's supposed to be. Right. You right. know, because it's not supposed to be nostalgia for 40 year olds that you like when you were six, you know, mm-hmm. they have that on Disney plus you can go watch Spider-Man and his amazing friends on Disney plus right now yeah you know and, the, then,
0: and then you'll see really how not great those episodes are,
1: <laughs> yeah they're still fun though Jeremy has seen the designs on everything yes yes the uh yes i mean I, I i we have been the target demographic for so long i think we're we're definitely spoiled
0: let me I'm sorry, let me go back and go. not great to us now, great to us when we were young i mean, and I think if kids if you know some kids who are were our age back then watching now they're like Hey, this is pretty cool. I like this, you know. But our sensibilities change as we get older, and as you said, they keep wanting. We keep demanding that the sensibilities of comics and entertainment shift with us, with what we like, and we don't care about the ones behind us. You know, the newer, younger generation coming in, because that was always a criticism. I remember even during the comics boom, when publishers were saying we need to bring in young right, uh, young readers. We need to come up with new uh, young reader lines and stuff, and you see. guys in couch, i don't care about that i just want my comics. i want my frank miller i want blah 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 it's like you know you're gonna
1: die eventually right (laughs) is that your answer to everything oh yeah (laughs) i don't like this risotto it's undercooked. please take it back to the kitchen you know you're gonna die eventually you're gonna
0: die in the end it doesn't really matter because you're gonna die eventually
1: (laughs) (laughs) this yellow light takes too long well you're gonna die eventually yeah yeah, I, um you're right. I think I mean the comic book companies freaked out when the newsstands stopped holding them. So, but we were so used to being catered, we were also so used to comic books being for kids that we always kind of had to bring ourselves down. Like in the in the 90s, uh when, you know, when millennials like Stephen Brown were kids, uh and they would watch X-Men, they were kids watching X-Men. You and I were college students watching X-Men going, "Hey, look, they actually made an X-Men show. I'll watch it." You know, and mm-hmm. there was this, feel, there was always this little feeling of like, I'm not supposed to be watching this, but now there's just so much that it's like, we can do a werewolf by night. We can do a She-Hulk and we can do like, um, what is it? There's a new Spider-Man and his amazing friends now where they're like really little. They're so young now that my, my nine-year-old is like, this is stupid.
0: <laughs> I saw it. I was like, oh, cause it's Spider-Man. It's Peter, Miles, and, what, and Spider-Gwen. Uh, Spider-Gwen, but Gwen, yeah. Spider.
1: Yeah, um, and yeah. we watched the first episode, and in the first episode, Miles is like, I want to be called Spider-Man too. And they were like, You need your own name. I know, I'll call myself Spin. And Sebastian was like, I'm out. <laughs> 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 and nothing made me feel older than like then than, than the, the superhero cartoons are too young for your children. <laughs> that is that's a grim look into a mirror. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah you know, again, he was but, younger yeah. than that,
1: so but i I mean, I do like that uh they're not trying Marvel's not trying to be four quadrant, but the quality's high enough, where I think most people are like you and I are like i that was a good show, you know, I'm not a woman, um you know, it's not talking directly to me, but i'm understanding I have a better understanding of what this character is you know, in the way that like reading Miles Morales, I have a different understanding about a person whose life is very different from mine. Peter Parker lived my life. I got that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I the only thing I didn't do was get bitten by a spider and get raised by an old aunt, <laughs> but uh, I was also a thin nerdy kid in Queens.
0: And, and I wasn't a, a young Muslim, uh, uh, Muslim Pakistani girl in, in New Jersey. And yet I still enjoyed uh, Captain, oh, yeah. Mar- uh, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. I mean, I Marvel girl. That, that was fun.
1: You I know. learned a lot about Muslims in that. Yeah.
0: So I would say uh, you're right. And then I think it's kind of like let go of certain things. Not everything's made for you. Enjoy it for what it is. And if, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it because you certainly don't. And you certainly don't need to be going on, especially when someone is talking about how they enjoy something. And you got to go on there and go, oh, no, that sucked. You're wrong. That, that writing was so
1: bad. I'm like, oh. well that's what that's what what pisses me off most about um internet criticism and i'm 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 actually getting my fill on youtube with it is that um hyperbole just takes out exact is a replacement for example where they're just like oh let's talk about this movie this movie is the worst look at how much it sucks look at this thing that sucks and look at this thing that sucks that's like no where where do you find the flaw in it where do you find like What was the direction? Like, where are the examples where you go, okay, they, they went left when they should have gone right. They didn't recognize that the audience wanted this, you know, this casting was wrong. It's always just like, and the same people, like any, everything they like is the best. This is awesome sauce. This is great. And it's like, there's no discussion in here. You know, like, I think we've all been in that conversation with a guy in a comic store at a convention that just go, that goes on and on about a title without giving any reason. You know?
0: That makes me think about George Lucas, who, when he, you know, he said he retired from filmmaking for that very reason. He goes, these days, everything is either the greatest thing ever or it's terrible. You know, and he just got tired of hearing the criticisms all the time, getting, mind you, I know when The Phantom Menace comes out, this is right before social media is really taking off. You know, we just, you know, Facebook is still just for college students and
1: yeah, I remember the big deal about Phantom Menace was that you could see the trailer online if you oh. took twenty five minutes to download it.
0: yeah <laughs> yep. Uh, so there's all that stuff and 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 he hasn't caught the full brunt of it yet, but he's still familiar because he remembered all that crap that would happen on message boards and in newsletters and and that stuff would still get back to him. And then social media takes over. and at that point, there's nowhere to hide
1: yeah and to be fair. I mean, if you went back and read issues of Starlug, Fans were saying the exact same thing.
0: Yes, it's, I'm just saying it's the intensity and the, how you that. I mean, I don't have to pick up a. Okay, uh, who reads Star Starlog cover to cover? Meh, you know. You get I, I, oh, I like that Battlestar Galactica cover. Has has Maren Jensen there? I'm going to read the order or the interview with her. Am I going to look at the the you know the letters page and all the other stuff? Nah, don't care.
1: See, when I was a kid, I did because I could only afford to buy like one magazine or two comics uh. a week. So it was like, it just was sitting around my room and I was like, well, I guess I'll read the thing I didn't read. So
0: yeah. But, but now with social media, it's like that guy who writes that angry letter to Starlog about whatever can almost literally show up in your living room to bitch about the thing that he doesn't like that you like. Right. So that I could see why Lucas, you know, was like, you know, what? I don't need this. I- What's the
1: di- it's a difference between criticism and opinion. Everyone has an opinion, but not everyone's a good critic. Yeah.
0: And even with criticism, too. I mean, I, I, to me, in the most, most of the cases, I would say it's all technical. It's not even, you can argue aesthetics and story and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like for me, the um, let's say the, the Rob Zombie's Munsters movie. Oh, people hate that. <laughs> My biggest criticism of that, that movie is just it looks like it was shot by an amateur. It just looks very. The DP, I don't know who the DP was. i I think he's the same guy he he had on all his films. And I've seen other Rob Zombie
1: movies. Yeah, he's made six feature films. Yeah, and his
0: his film they look like feature films. This one looks like a like a fan film, you know, done for you know to be viewed on your computer.
1: I just so, never, I just never found Rob Zombie to be funny, and, and well, that's the you're other making thing. a yeah. film about a sitcom.
0: Yeah, that one is. It's also not terribly funny, but I. I'm not going to sit there and complain about the humor of it all because, you know, humor is is subjective to me, just purely on a technical on a technical uh, 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 point of view. It just looks amateurish. You you fix that for me. I have much less criticism of the film and I could actually enjoy it more so I can sit there and go, okay, all right, this is presented better. Let me see if I can get through these jokes that aren't quite landing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know? yeah, many of them <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, well, well, I mean, I, everything has that criticism because, um I'll, we'll get into this in depth next week because I have a guest coming on t- that really wants to talk about Halloween ends. And uh, I watched it this week. We um, I hadn't seen any of the trilogy. To be honest, I hadn't seen anything since Season of the Witch where the kids put on the masks and then, Bugs crawl out of their eyes. Uh, so I was way behind on Michael Myers. So, but heard great things about 2018. And then I watched that and Halloween kills wasn't great. And then everybody was so excited, so excited about Halloween ends. And I had been really in the trilogy for like three days by the time. I saw. But people are still real. People have real strong opinions about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember with, again, back to my you talk about a criticism. Like Halloween Kills, to me, was just one of the dumbest movies I'd ever seen. It's just you couldn't – they they set up this great premise where we're going to make sure that the characters are smart and don't do the dumb things that they do that get them killed. Like they even say, we're always going to stick together. We're going to be armed. We're going to do this. When we're going to deal with Michael Myers, we're going to make sure he doesn't take us down. And then the rest of the movie is people just being stupid and breaking all the rules that they set themselves till when they finally do what they say they're going to do. Michael Myers is pretty much revealed to be the Terminator and you could gang up on him. And, and I mean, I, I was, I was hoping someone would come out with like an RPG and shoot him with it <laughs> to see if he could hold up to that.
1: Well, that's a yeah. problem. I, as I said, I went, uh, I tried to find every Halloween movie I, I could, uh, which they were scattered all over because of the rights. So it's like, oh, these two are on Peacock. Ah, this one's on a uh, bootleg on YouTube. This one is uh, you know, this one's on HBO Max. So I was bouncing around and it, it both that and I was watching the Friday the 13th, and both of those characters were they're supposed to be normal human beings. Yes. But but the problem is you kill them three times in every movie because of you know, because you have to have the fake out final jump scare oh he's actually back so you have to kill him in a way that you atomize the guy and then a year later they're like well now he's back
0: so there's his atoms his atoms reconvene like dr manhattan
1: yeah the (laughs) electrons and the protons start getting together um yeah my 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 two favorite resurrections ever it's friday the 13th part six uh they dig him up to make sure he's dead because they don't want him to come back. And then they stick a big metal pole in him, but then lightning hits the pole and now he's back.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, I remember that one. Yep, yep.
1: And then of course nothing stops, nothing tops nightmare on Elm Street 4, which is when a dog Ooh. pees fire.
0: <laughs> I missed that one.
1: Oh, that's a good one. In front Wait, of you is,
0: is that Dream Warriors? No, that War- no.
1: It's after Dream Warriors. It okay. is the uh, Dream Master, I think.
0: That Dream Master. I missed that
1: one. Yeah, five. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a great one. But uh, horror movies are not built to be world building franchises. Yeah, no. that's that's the problem with them. Is like each one has to have some feeling of finality to it. You cannot do it. You cannot do a horror cinematic universe. I think Tom Cruise proved that. Well,
0: they tried. I think for a while they were trying to do that with the Freddy versus Jason movies. And they, the idea well, was certain... to
1: make that one. And then yeah. that was it.
0: And then they wanted to do, they wanted to bring Ash into it. They wanted to do Freddie versus Jason right. versus Ash, but can Bruce Campbell said, okay, we'll do it. But Ash has got to be able to kick, you know, Freddie and Jason's asses. And they went, no, I'm like then there's, there's no point to it. If Ash yeah. is going to come in and basically be a jobber for Freddie and Jason, you pretty much uh, invalidate his character from his own franchise.
1: Right. Well, cause the difference with him is he's not the villain. Right. You know, uh, you know, Freddie and Jason are the villains of their franchise. Ash is the hero. That's one of the, that's one of the things I love about evil dead is the way they flips the formula on its head. You know, the, it's the, um, it's the monsters that are pretty much replaceable, Yeah, you know, deadites are deadites, you know, uh, it, and it's the fact that Bruce Campbell's in the middle of it, that's who you, you go with. Whereas with nightmare on Elm street, the kids are, are completely replaceable. It's like, okay, here's four more jerks in a high school. Let Robert Englund run loose on him. So yeah, it's, I mean, considering how long it took "Freddy versus Jason to get made and how many drafts Ron Moore and Brennan Brago wrote a Freddie versus Jason that didn't get made because there's, it's like Marvel DC crossovers. You have to please so many people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, I remember watching that movie expecting so much too. I'm like, man, they're taking, they're taking a long time to get to what we want to see. And then when they finally get to the big fight, it was like, eh, all right.
1: Yeah, I I had no expectations for it because I never thought it was really going to happen. And I'm like, okay, you did it. Whatever you want to do. And they got the director of Bride Bride of Chucky, so there was a certain tone they were going to hit with it.
0: Well, I remember too because when when they finally did when they finally did Ash versus Freddy versus Jason, that's Dynamite did the comics.
1: Yeah, wasn't it based on the? It was based on the actual treatment, wasn't it?
0: One of the treatments, yeah. And uh, I uh, James Cuhoric. Um, who was one of the writers on a, one of the original writers in the army of darkness type line. And he did, I want to try to remember if he did the first or the second one, we had a little conver a brief conversation about it. And he talked about how difficult it was doing that exactly to what you, you were saying, you know, oh, uh, yes, man, we wanted to do this and this, and they wouldn't let us do that. And I'm, and so you sit there, whenever you have um, folks criticize a story or a comic, Trust me, I, I, a lot of times like, the writer knows, yeah. <laughs> the writer knows where the, where the problems are. You know, I remember when I was writing some stuff and uh, there were things I wanted to do. I I, I mean, it, I've been very open about this. The, um, the Obama at Army of Darkness miniseries I did. Right. Which, um, and don't get me wrong. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. I had. You know, how often do you get Ariel Padilla to do your interior art? How often do you get Todd Nauck to do your covers, you know, you know, and, and put Obama and Ash on everyone? Great looking book, great production. Um, the story, I'm I'm still happy with how the story came out for the most part, but you will see if you read it, it doesn't feel entirely cohesive because there are certain things I set up along the way that as I was going along, they—I mean, after the pitch was approved, even—and and this was had nothing to do with my editor, too. My editors were fine with it. It was just the licensors. Yeah, they said, "Nope, you can't do that." I'm like, "But I spent this whole issue setting up this joke, you know, this whole, you know, like I set up Ash versus the Terminator. I was supposed—you were supposed to get Ash versus the Terminator." in a way. And I remember my editor, Joe Ryband said, you know what? That's really clever what you did there. And uh, they uh, Padilla even started uh, drawing, did some of the artwork, and I guess the licensor saw it and said, you can't do that. I go, it was in the script! <laughs> did you read the script?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't written as many comics as you have, but I've been in advertising a long, long time. <laughs> and I'm hearing myself saying, if I'm watching a commercial with boys, because I don't have a TV anymore, but a lot of the streaming platforms I pay for the cheap rate. Right? So I'm seeing a lot of the same commercials over and over again, because the algorithm is pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. And there's, I there's so many times the boys are like, why would you write a commercial that stupid? And I've heard myself say, I'm sure the first draft was great. <laughs> yep. It's like, this This is round 15. <laughs> yeah. Where where the writer just went, oh, fine. It, you know, it, it, the lesson I've learned over and over again that never gets any easier is you have to give it your heart and soul and then let it go completely
0: let it go you gotta let it go that's true
1: yeah as jack kirby will say comics will break your heart
0: they will but uh okay but i will never trade that experience for anything and again i want to go on record as saying that nick barucci and joe Ribant were two of the best people to ever work for if you have a chance to work for them um, I say, do it. They are going to make you feel like you are. Im- they, they'll they have your back as far as they can. And then after a while, you know, got to listen to the licensors. So.
1: Yeah, everything yeah. runs up a ladder. Yeah. And that's that's what makes um, like things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe so wonderful, I think, is that it's owned by Disney. It's using Marvel characters that have been around for 50 years. It has to hit all four quadrants. They spend a ton of money on it. And you still get these unique interesting things coming out of it like werewolf by night like moon knight like she hulk and it's like the fact that those exist at all that we're not just getting you know iron man 15 with you know with josh hartnett now playing tony stark you know they're not just stamping out the same thing over and over again they're willing to take these risks in a way that the the publishing company took risks for 40 years and i think we said this on a podcast before but as you were saying, you don't have to watch everything Marvel. And it's like, yeah, cause I'd never read everything Marvel. There was never mm-hmm. one month in my life where I read every single book they put out. I think the only time I did that with DC was new 52 because uh, Stephen had a deal was like, if you bought all every title that month, you got this like free bonus. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try everything. And it was a one month where I, you know, 15 out of the titles I read, I was like, that's not talking to me at all. Mm-hmm. And I knew it wasn't before I opened it. And the thing about Marvel right now, because it's one at a time, it doesn't matter how frequently it comes out. You're going, okay, this is the next thing. I like Marvel. I'm going to watch this thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll look at, um, this is funny too, but, uh, what they're doing with Star Trek right now. You yeah. Know, they have all the different shows appealing to different people or different audiences, like Star Trek Prodigy, which is for younger viewers, but I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Strange New Worlds, Discovery. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, John, John Suntress, John. I love you. I really do, but man, let go of the whole Discovery stuff. Seriously, it's
1: let go. It's four seasons in. Let go. They rebooted it, too. <laughs> I know. Um yeah, and, I mean, Discovery's my least favorite too, but I yeah. watch it, it's interesting, and I move on. Um,
0: uh, but I will oh and I and and, and and this is the thing. This shows how much I've changed. I've, I've kind of like reframed my own fandom and how my expectation on that. Oh my God. After you telling me over and over and over again, how much you love lower decks and lower decks is your favorite Star Trek show. Still is. I've become a lower decks fan. This, this season that they've got right now has probably been some of the best stuff.
1: Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, because they know their characters. So go in thinking it's going to be a parody of Star Trek and it is a really, really funny parody of Star Trek, but you know now we're yeah we're about 30 episodes in like i know the characters on this show as well as i knew the characters on deep space 9 mm-hmm. and i care about them as much mm-hmm. you know i care about their story arcs i care about like how they progress and there are there are storylines uh it has everything that star trek has also it's hilarious
0: it's a, it's a, I'm sorry. For those who say the Orville is the best uh, next generation, whatever. No, uh, Lower Decks.
1: No, I always say Lower Decks is what the Orville thinks it is.
0: It is. And, it, but again, I was, I was watching it. I'm going, damn, John was right. <laughs> this show is actually, because my, my biggest criticism, I remember in the very beginning was I felt like they were going to do, it was going to be too sitcommy. They were just, all they were going to do is just like poking fun here and there the characters were going to be static and not really grow and change. But then you're like, no, they actually, they have, as you said, they know the characters you're seeing that Um, they're, uh, uh, they're not doing like the Simpsons where they forgot what happened two episodes ago. You know, they, the characters are going from um, arc to arc to arc. And it's just fun. And the last two episodes, I was like, I was genuinely touched by the, um, Episode where Boimler finds out that um he, uh, well oh yeah he finds out about his, what happens to his transporter clone. I was like, holy crap, how they went there and then there's a twist, which was still fun, but you know, I was like, I was like but, wow. but
1: it, yeah, the way he processed it yeah. felt more real than the stuff they did on next generation. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was the kind of stuff they tried to do next generation. Gene Roddenberry was like, No, these people are perfect,
0: they're yeah. not gonna
1: have that problem. Uh yeah, it's it's it has surprising depth to it and yes the the thing that always amazes me is it's such a broad comedy and yet i and i completely believe that it takes place in the star trek universe you know they've had you know they've had q and they've had riker but i i absolutely believe that picard is on the enterprise in this universe in a way that i don't even do with the star wars animated series and i know people that love rebels and love clone wars i've just never been able to bridge that gap for me, those shows, they were like the Marvel XT shows. I'm like, yeah, these are talking to kids. They're not really talking to me. Um, and I don't feel that way about Lord X. And it, I i do think it's time for me to admit that I'm not the Star Wars fan I think I am. Eh, you know, I'm I mean, probably what? more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars fan. But Star, but Star Trek tends to satisfy me more often.
0: It's funny. I mean, again, i I'm, I'm probably, I feel similar to you. It's funny how with right now with the High Republic, <laughs> it seems like the writers in the, you know, Star Wars creative, they got together and went, oh, you know, there's all this really cool stuff they're doing over in Star Trek. Let's pull in some of those elements. You know, let's talk about how the Jedi are inspirational and helping the galaxy. and stuff. Oh,
1: like, so they're getting more perfect.
0: They're getting well, they're turning more into the Federation is what they're doing, huh. you know, being more Federation. Like, well, I mean, and Star Trek has borrowed a lot of elements from Star Wars. I mean, it's gotten very splody, you know, more yeah. sploty than it's been in before. So, but um, yeah, uh, I can see that there, both of the franchises are finding not just what's true to the original creation, but trying to figure out how to appeal to new audiences. And yeah, some things will slip through here and there. And, yeah. yeah. I'm told that the fact that I actually enjoy Star Trek more than Star Wars these days is a sign of maturity. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think it's Star Trek and Star Wars are Marvel in DC. They're giving you different things in different tones. And honestly, sometimes one is doing better things than the other one is doing. Like I, I, I was looking back on my Marvel run and I'm like, there was like a good three or four years where I just blanked out on Marvel. I didn't read any Marvel. And I realized it was all the time. The image guys were going, I never bought one X-Men comic with Jim Lee. I never bought one X-Force comic. I never bought um, any of the Wolverine, Mark Silvestri. I did. I bought a bunch of the McFarlane Spider-Man's, but I didn't even buy every issue. And these are, you know, these are all issues that have shot up to like $50, $60. And I was like, well, where was I? I was like, well, I was over in Batman, which was better written. Yeah. Yeah. you know it's and sometimes you just go across the street and you come back it's mm-hmm. star wars i think is interesting andor is i find andor is like the rings of power for me and i i really i've been building up to doing an episode about it but i haven't quite crystallized my thoughts is that both of them i think are necessary they're interesting but they take effort to watch like i'm you know it's i'm not jumping into it like i was like i jump into even Picard. Picard could be heavy, but I'm not like, Oh my God, the new Andor is out. It's like, Oh, uh, now two of them are up. I got to watch this one. And I enjoy it. I'm glad I'm watching it, but it's not, it's not ringing my bell.
0: Well, the thing with Andor, and I say it's, uh, there's all the stuff that people loved about Andor that they criticized Obi-Wan for. And there's a lot of stuff that people are criticizing Andor for that, You know, they loved an Obi-Wan. So I can tell, like, with Obi-Wan and Andor, those are both things that I... That's stuff that Lucas wanted to do in the prequels that he just couldn't pull off. Mm, And it because either the time or whatever, you know, the the way it was, the way it was set up, the production, and it was just him, too. So you look at the prequels and you see that he pretty much set down the bones the foundation of the stories that would happen in that time. And then he hands off to the next generation of filmmakers to start building on that. Because I'm like, uh, we talked about this before. I look at Obi-Wan and go, the Obi-Wan uh, miniseries had all the emotion that lacked, it was lacking in the prequels. Andor has all the character development mm-hmm. about the world and, and I'm sorry, and the world building that was missing in the prequel.
1: Well, and the strategy too the, yeah. um, I the think, game of
0: Thrones type chess play as they say. Yeah. yeah. The
1: political machinations yeah. of like, this is how the rebellion pulls together. This mm-hmm. is how they find people. This is how they get information on the empire. It, Andor is so grounded. Uh, I tweeted this the other day. It was like, I think it's, there was a period, there were three episodes where I didn't see an alien. Yeah. Whereas like it's it's just people talking to other people. Like, you know, I'm not seeing of course I'm not seeing any Jedi's, I'm not seeing explodey, I'm not seeing giant monsters, which I didn't expect to, but I'm like, there's not even like the token guy in a big rubber mask mm-hmm. to prove that it's a multicultural rebellion. It's it's like like everyone's Irish this week. <laughs> <laughs> this last episode, too, the one
0: that just aired this past week, I was watching it. And I'm going, man this really feels like something a young George Lucas would have written and directed. Hmm. A lot of, a lot of tone, a lot of mood. It's just people talking to each other, all these personal interactions going on, which was always what Lucas was about. You look at THX 1138, look at American graffiti, you know, it's, it was always about people, how they were going through different experiences and the world around them. There's that one scene where the, the one disgraced corporate officer, you know he's going. No, I haven't
1: seen this episode
0: yet. All right. So well, there, I'm going to tell you. You're going to you go a,
1: spoiler free. Yeah.
0: I got. There's a scene there where you're going to go. That looks like THX 1138. Hmm. You're going to you're going to sit there. And you're going to go. That's what it made me think of. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that the the folks on um on the production team were probably thinking about that. Let's do a little nod to early Lucas. It really felt like very early Lucas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean both of these franchises they're being taken in different directions. I, you know, it's, uh, I wish, uh, Disney put as much effort into the Muppets that they put into. you know, the Muppets, like every two years, they're like, guys, six episodes of a thing. I don't know if it's any good, you know, they're the, the care and attention they're giving these brands is something. like you were saying, I don't think Lucas gave the prequels as much attention as Disney's giving them now.
0: I think too, it's, well, man. it's back to Lucas just getting frustrated with the whole process and I don't blame him because, I mean, if let's say he was involved with it and had to deal with all the social media and all the, the stuff that goes on in, in media in general, it's not it's not even like he has to go on on um freaking Facebook or some Reddit account. You have variety. You have all the main, you know, entertainment yeah. magazines picking up all that crap and running it because they need content. So you can't escape it and.
1: Yeah, it's it's all the clickbait. When I was what, uh, when I saw Jeff Garland last night, he was talking about all the controversy that he's gone through in the last year or so, and he says now when I see this, you know, gossip of people being, you know, outed, he's like, he said, you know, like everybody starts saying about Bill Murray, he goes, because of what I went through, I don't believe any of it. He's like, I need to know the person personally to believe that story because it's the constantly churning, and if anything, you know, we're addicted to outrage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last five years have proven that just because that's you know that's what our government turned into is just this theater of outrage. You
0: yeah, know, we I'm don't sorry. do anything
1: anymore. We just yeah. yell at each other.
0: Yeah, and and I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I'm not the as as a member of the media. From time to time, I will also say I hold I hold a lot of media fellow media accountable. They 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 had four years of a of an ad uh, of a administration just generating so much revenue for them because. Mm-hmm. You know everyone was pissed off about this, that, and the other. And now they're like, Oh crap, we don't have that. Say, same... we got to now, now we got to start generating it again on our own and start being, you know, shitty about it. And yeah, yeah, really? it, and that's why you see that in entertainment too. And you see that, uh, why you see all these fanboys and you know, and you know, self appointed, um, um, um you know the 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 den of geek and uh, although den of they're they're okay i like den of geek but just these kind these groups that like suddenly they have these youtube accounts right and they're like uh, they're generating all this uh, attention and clicks and followers and likes because their headline says indiana jones 5 is going to suck and here's why and you know it's like right. uh, oh god okay
1: yeah i yeah, don't i don't even click on that stuff anymore i'm like Honestly, when I see a news story like um, Harrison Ford taking over Thunderbolt Ross, I just see that story seven times before I believed it. Yeah, I was like, because it's so rumor. And I, you know, I'll wait till I see that movie. I, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I think there's enough military characters in Marvel where you could have like you could have dedicated that to William Hurt, like you did Chadwick Boseman, and not do that character again. Make Harrison Ford somebody else. But, yeah, but for uh, all you know,
0: he's the uh, variant version. We don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true. So I think uh, wrapping up for this week, uh, I feel like this title is going to change. Like before <laughs> it was, it was like, it's going to be She-Hulk or it's going to be Halloween. I think th- this week is just like, what the fuck do we actually want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we get what we want and we don't like it.
0: It's like when you're – yeah, it's like we're like those little – I mean, any parent who had young kids who were finicky eaters, it's the I whole – I got one now. Yeah. I, uh, that, there's that, – what was the, the meme? The, there was another meme I saw. It's like this – he goes, my son, you know, went to the kiosk and didn't want any help ordering because he's a big boy now. And now he's looking at his eggs on a hot dog bun, and he's pissed about it. <laughs> So, all
1: right. <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah. It's you know, amazing. we
0: want what we, we even if we got exactly what we asked for, we would figure out a way to be angry about it.
1: Yeah. And, and the way I try to calm myself down about it is, is I realize, you know, we all talk about social media as it is, as if it has one mind and one voice, but it's everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that, that's something I push back. It's like, oh, you guys all say you wanted this and now you say you don't like it. I'm like, eh, they might not be the same exact guys. You know, it's, it's just, everybody speaks at the same volume. And, and, and I see that having a podcast for almost a decade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as someone who's, yeah, who's written for the major newspapers, you know, and, and, and been on television, all these things. It's like, I don't think there's any one voice greater or louder than the other. It's just there's certain ones that just figure out how to get the most attention.
1: Yeah. And it's never been the best way to go about it. But uh, speaking of media, um, you got a new greatest thing in the world this week.
0: Why? Yes, I do. I actually got the um, 40th edition Blu-ray of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Um, it was one of those where I was like, oh, it's it's coming out. And I, I put in a request for it because I'll get the, the little um, – the press releases ahead of time. This is coming out. If you'd like yeah. to request for product for review, let us know. And I put in for this like a long time ago and I thought, Oh, I didn't get approved. Cause you know a lot of times they have very limited right. um, product to give out. And then it just showed up in my mailbox the other day. And I was like, Oh wow. And it, I got an apologetic email afterwards saying, sorry, it ran behind and so on. But this is the thing that gets me about ET first that it I'm telling you, uh if die hard is a christmas movie e.t is a halloween movie true and uh this is the one the one and only steven spielberg film to make me cry as an adult all right (laughs) i remember when i saw this for the first time and i'd already been spoiled on the ending because when i saw it in the theater if folks my name's elliot so when you're named elliot there's no way people are not going to talk to you about this movie, especially when everybody in school saw it before I did.
1: Did they throw um, Reese's Pieces at you?
0: I wish. I actually <laughs> like Reese's Pieces. <laughs> um, but no, even knowing the ending, the, it was so heartfelt. I mean, this is probably Spielberg's, one of Spielberg's greatest, greatest films. Um, and I think he's always trying to recapture that, that feeling in his films. Um yeah, uh, having it on Blu-ray because and we've talked about this too. Finding stuff on streaming is such a pain in the ass these days. Yeah.
1: yeah, without just watch, I'd be lost. As I said this week, finding the Halloween sequels, I was able to find most of them for free, but it it was like detective work. Mm-hmm. Well, uh ET is on Peacock now. How is
0: it on Peacock? Why isn't it? I mean uh, Univ-
1: NBC Universal, Universal.
0: right. I mean and even as part of the the celebration of 40 of the 40th anniversary of ET Peacock will let you change your account uh, icon to ET which of course I did. So um having this now so I can actually watch it um is is and, and whenever I want because this movie would suddenly just disappear off the shelves over time and then they'd bring it back. Unlike yeah, the that, back
1: the DVD was 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, and the, the the Back to the Future movies, though, you'll find, like, two different anniversary editions sitting right next to each other on the shelf. The
1: 16th anniversary and the 17th anniversary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one has got a whole bunch of great features. I haven't been able to watch any of them yet, uh, but my I will say my big thing, my the thing I'm looking for is, um, of course, talking to John, the discussion with John Williams. Oh, and the only thing it's missing that if you're a fan of E.T. that you wish it would have, and why, why, why won't we do it? No director's commentary.
1: Spielberg has never done one. He never does that. He's no. never done one. Like, you know, how much would you give for Raiders of the Lost Ark commentary? Hell, I would love
0: to hear a Jaws commentary. That's, yeah, you know, because uh, I, I think Raiders was the one, a lot of people don't realize, Raiders kind of like revived Spielberg after that.
1: He had, After 1941, yeah. 1941, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the uh, it's funny because as as you're talking about the disc, it made me realize like how much I miss extras. I don't miss having a bookcase of DVDs. Like, you know, it's easier to move when I have a cloud. And, and as I've said before, I buy a lot of stuff still through Apple and Vudu. So I have it in the cloud, you know, 99% knock on wood, it's going to stay there. So when stuff moves from platform to platform, I just go to my library. But I miss the extras; they're not included anymore. We just watched um, we watched Doctor Sleep on HBO Max today, which uh, if you haven't seen, it's really good. It's the second time I've seen it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a rough movie though. That's rough.
1: And, oh, yeah. there's a scene in there that I like. I almost walked out. I and yeah. I I told Jill when we sat down to watch it, if she hadn't seen it. I go, there's a scene I might walk out. Yeah. I said, I'm, I, I said, no spoilers. I'm not going to tell you. I know, I know the scene you're talking about. And too. I, yeah. I would just, I stayed yeah. through, it, but I just tightened.
0: It is rough. It is a yeah. very,
1: very, very scary movie at times. But when it ended, she was like, "I really want to see how they made that. I want to see, you know, how do they tune into The Shining and what changes did they make?" And you know, we're running around YouTube, and um, I guess my greatest thing of the week is probably Joe Blow Horror Originals because um, it's a YouTube channel that. It's one of those where they do a lot of really good research. So it's not just, this sucks because I don't like it. They'll go really deep into it. They've been doing a lot of them lately. So I found every Friday the 13th, every Nightmare on Elm Street, every um Halloween, like 20 minute documentaries on them. That was the only thing we could find about Dr. Sleep. And then, and Jill was saying like, well, isn't there something about The Shining? I was like, there was a great one on the DVD. I don't own the DVD anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, these...
0: It, 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 it's, it, I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, I'm with you on the the whole streaming. How it, you don't have to store so much stuff anymore. But this last week, I heard about someone saying that they had some one of the platforms that it was uh, was it Amazon? I can't remember for sure. So this is going to sound anecdotal, but they said, "Oh, I had ordered all this, and I got I, I got the notice that it has been removed from my account because." It's like the license was up or something. I'm like, but if you bought it, th- that should be yours. It's yeah. not really a quote unquote rental. They also know. don't pay you back. Yeah. They took it off. They just took it off their account. I'm like, that's got to be wrong. But I mean, you, I'm sure if you look at terms of service and agreements and stuff, it's probably buried in there somewhere oh, yeah. that the streaming service, they reserve the right to remove, pro- you know, remove content, you know, I,
1: whatever. I saw a great meme. Uh, this week that said uh, yeah I believe living I I believe living in the future was searching searching my eight streaming platforms to find a movie that's in its one month viewing window (laughs) you know because we were told hey everything's going to be on here it's going to be easy and you know it's it is more beneficial than it's detrimental because I've gotten on a plane and said hey I want to watch Empire Strikes Back and just push download and then watch it on the flight like that didn't happen when I owned DVDs. But then again, I was in half price books and they had the Blu-ray original trilogy for seven bucks. And I was like, you know what? For seven bucks, I think just for insurance. Yeah. But is you know,
0: the, that EMP can hit and wipe out all that data.
1: Well, yeah. But the other thing is then one day you're not going to find a player.
0: That's you know, true
1: too. I, have a, yeah. I, I, I watched stuff on my PlayStation five, which I was lucky enough to get after a year and a half of hitting F5 on every website. And, you know, there were two versions. One of them didn't have a disk drive. Yeah.
0: So oh, that's crazy. It's,
1: it's yeah. all, you're always going to be chasing something. I had a conversation with my dad about it when I was trying to get him into streaming because he had walls of VHS. Mm. And he said, well, what ha- what happens if, if it can't translate? it?" I said, well, honestly, everything is – you have to translate on some level. A printed book, you have to understand that language. Right. So there's always going to be that leap. But it's like – Every time it shifts, you know, you worry if you're going to get left behind. And for guys like you and I, like we want for our certainly for our favorite movies, we want to review them again and again and get more out of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be told that, hey, uh, yeah, we didn't find it cost effective to have Raiders of the Lost Ark anymore. So you can't watch it.
0: That would be yeah. some straight up bullshit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and if you'd like to know more straight up bullshit, there's ways to get in touch with us. Uh, kind of straight up bullshit.com. I'm sure there is one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're going to appreciate the bump we're giving them,
1: but you can follow me. Uh, not on my book on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that is the official caffeinated comics social networking feed. My Instagram is lots of pictures of toys. And if this week is any indication, there will be pictures of my four foot Galactus because nice. it's being shipped. And I was at Mr. Wayne's today. He got five of them in. And I saw Dan Slot got one in his New York apartment and Mike Lawrence got one in his LA apartment. They're hitting. It's oh, going to be, it's going to be big. Stephen Brown's going to get one in his apartment. I think the next podcast should just probably be a video podcast of us shaking them back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Galactus. <laughs> I hunger. (laughs) Yeah. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics for all the news, which now, you know, you have to jump from one profile to another to share anything. So it's not as much news as there used to be, but we're trying we're trying to get the news to you as quickly as we can. Elliot, how do we find you?
0: You can find me at Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's, two R's on all social media platforms where you'll see a lot of, um, The things I was up to at Nightmare on Chicago Street. You will see uh, myself with Spangoolie on stage, as well as, uh, yeah, the E.T. Blu-ray that I just got. Uh, Also, check out the MCU Review Facebook page, YouTube, and Twitch TV pages, where you can see our discussions about the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The episode where we talked about Spider-Man Homecoming, one of my favorites, and coming up next will be for Ragnarok. And
1: that's a big one.
0: It's going to be big. We will be joined by White Sox uh, commentator, Chicago White Sox commentator, Connor McKnight, um, to talk about that. He's a big uh, comic book geek. Uh, and um, Connor and I go back a long way here in Chicago. So it's going to be fun having him on. Oh, before we go, too, speaking to social media. And, and the stuff that happens out there in YouTube pages and channels trying to generate clicks. They have revealed the ge- regeneration of Jodie Whitaker's doctor. Oh, it he, aired
1: last night. It, it aired, aired last night in America.
0: Yep. And ha- aired oh. in, in, uh, in Great Britain, not yet in America. But the BBC knew that it was going to get out there somehow. So they said, we're going to do it ourselves and wait till you see who she regenerates into.
1: All right. Don't even tell me because I haven't seen it. I'm going to, I'm going to look, but I know that, you know, there's two major theories. So I'm going to, uh, but it's out there. I would say, look at it now. Yeah. We're so far behind HBO max. Just got the sea devils episode. So I don't know when we're going to see this. Apparently it's moving to Disney plus and I don't know when that is. Yeah. So, all right. But either way, uh, we will post it on our Facebook page and we will talk to you next week.